Welcome, everyone. We are back. Another year of BAMS Radio. I'm your host, Drew DeArmond, with my usual cohorts, the Wizard and Mobile, you know, running things behind the curtain and also going to give us his analytical takes and football knowledge, and that's Thomas the Wizard Watts. And, of course, from, uh, as we say always, from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide, a national champion, always with his ear to the ground, William Redfish Barger. And we're going to talk some Alabama scrimmage, the first of fall camp. Hard to believe, man. Year 16 is now underway for Nick Saban. And it could be a special one because this Alabama team is loaded, I think, in all three phases. And we're going to talk about that some today. But I'm going to welcome both guys. Thomas, uh, welcome back, man. Thanks for running things. How are you? I'm great, Drew, and uh, thanks for letting me out of the production cage. Uh, for longtime listeners, uh, I want to just we'll be pu- we'll be pushing this on Twitter and here. I'm going to launch a Patreon for the podcast. Uh, the thing's going to be you know five bucks a month if you want to support. Uh, you get a follow on my Twitter account and the BAMS Radio Twitter account, and you have a chance to ask questions like if something happens in the college football world that you want uh, William Drews or my take on. You'll be first up, most likely, when we come back during the season. You know me, I only really focus on stuff that happens between the white lines, but uh, I promise I'll at least take a peek at recruiting, if you ask. But, you know, keep an eye out for that. But otherwise, man, Drew, I'm great. I'm so glad that football's back. It's been uh, it's been a good off season for Alabama, but as I already somewhat said, we finally get to see players that have put in the work in the summer, put in the work in the spring, what they look like ahead of what should be a great college football season for Alabama football fans. Should be. William uh, Barger also with us. William, welcome back. Uh, this is a football team that's going to have a lot of expectations. It's going to be number one to start the season, but uh, you know, probably well-deserved. I mean, of course, you have to go out there and prove it, but a football team that uh, right now I think everyone's looking forward to seeing. How are you? Man, I'm doing good, Drew, ready for this damn heat to be over with. I hate to wish my life away, but I'm looking forward to October myself. Um, Yeah. You know, quite a few football games to play between now and then. But, um, you know, like you, I mean, um, I don't know who else you would put, you know, when you consider, you know, who everybody lost from the 2021 season. I don't know who you would put in front of Alabama. I think, you know, Nick Saban would probably, you know, prefer to be number two or number three and, and, and be the hunter versus the hunted. But, um, you know, hopefully they can get through, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks of fall camp without any more serious injuries and, uh, you know, start the season off here in a couple of weeks healthy. Yeah, and, of course, everybody seems to have some injuries. Alabama has, you know, in the last few couple of weeks, uh, you know, uh, starting tied in. Cam Latou has gone down with a meniscus. He's out for, for right now, hopefully set to return. The first prognosis was, uh, and rumor, uh, you know, strong rumor was A&M, but it looks like he's healing quicker than that, spending a lot of time in the training room. Hopefully he'll be back for Utah State. We will see. Uh, in his place yesterday, the interesting thing was the JC transfer they found uh, when they were recruiting Malik Benson, a, cur- a current Alabama commitment at wide receiver, they found Miles Kitzelman from a 1A high school in Kansas. He had spent one year at Hutchinson and only three games because he got injured, but he impressed enough in practice and on the film that they watched. Kitzelman was signed. He's about 6'5", 250-plus, 
and he has been uh, he was with the ones at tight end. They like his blocking ability. Uh, and then, of course, we know uh, Aaron Anderson, the freshman from New Orleans. He also has a meniscus. He is probably going to be out for the start of the season, but he's someone else that they're looking forward to working into that rotation. And probably right now, the three areas with the, the most keen eye on him are, uh, you know, wide receiver, cornerback, and offensive line. And William, I'd be remiss if I didn't start with the offensive line with you. A slight surprise yesterday uh, with the ones, as far as no surprise with Tyler Steen and J.C. Latham at the tackles. We knew uh, as we kind of uh, in our last BAMS episode after spring that Steen, when he reported with the transfer from Bandy, would very likely be the left tackle. J.C. Latham had a really good spring. I uh, had a chance to you know, hear, you know, uh, and uh, get some intel uh, from Eric Wolford, uh, you know, that uh, this, this, uh, you know, this spring and Wolford was really excited about steam, but really excited about the work Latham had put in. And we knew Ekior was coming back and Darian Dalcourt coming back from injury, but Kendall Randolph, a guy that's played blocking tight end the last couple of years, he was the third tackle in the spring, but really struggled. He was, though, with the ones at left guard, a position he's played earlier in his career. He was in front of, J- of uh, JV and Cohen, who had some well-documented, uh, you know, off the field. He had some mental health issues that he dealt with. We'll see how serious this Kendall Randolph push is to start. But interesting that Randolph spent most of the time with the ones yesterday. Yeah, that's not good news in my book. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's uh... – you know, trying to send a message to, to Cohen, you know, maybe he's got to, you know, make up for some of the time that he, that he uh, missed, uh, you know, dealing with his personal issues. You know, I, I thought, you know, for the most part as a, as a first year starter last year, um, you know, he was pretty solid. Um, you know, there was some communication issues and, you know, more missed assignments versus, you know, just getting, um, you know, beat um, last year with, with Cohen. So, um, you know, I think he's a guy that, that and I had forgotten about the, um, the depression issues that may be, um, yeah. you know, what, what this is all about more than anything. And, and certainly you want that young man's, um, you know, personal mental health to be, uh, you know, where it needs to be, um, to, you know, where he's happy and, and able to function on a day-to-day basis with a, with a positive attitude. Cause you know, that's, that's not an easy, uh, road to hoe for, for somebody that is totally healthy, both physically and emotionally. And, and, you know, if you've got that kind of dragging you down, um, you know, I can't imagine what that's like for, you know, a young man that's, you know, immersed in social media and, um, you know, having complete strangers on the internet, get on your Instagram or your Twitter feed after a game and tell you that you suck and, and all that stuff, you know, it takes a pretty, uh, you know, strong will to, to avoid that if you are totally healthy, much less if you've got some insecurities there about stuff. So you, you just want to wish that uh, and, and hope that, you know, Javion takes care of himself first. But I'll be surprised if, if uh, you know, come the Texas game, um, he's not the starter at left guard. And I, I'm, you bring up an interesting point since you played as well. And you played in a time, Alabama football has always drawn a lot of attention, but there was no social media back then. One of your former teammates told me one time, uh, Antonio Langham, that thank the Lord that there wasn't social media back in the day uh, when guys would go out at night and things of that nature. So it's changed a lot. There's a lot more eyes on people. You talked about the instant reaction on the Twitter and things of that nature and even Facebook and social media. 
I mean, uh, just talk about the pressure these kids are under, even more so. You, you guys were under pressure back in the day uh, to win games, but now with all the social media attention, it's in, uh, well, in the transfer portal and, you know, all this stuff and, uh, and being able to transfer immediately and not sit out. Guys can lose their jobs even quicker sometimes. It, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I mean, you know, back when the dark ages, when I played before the internet, I mean, you know, unless a coach was doing the, you know, the Red Elephant Club tour, um, or, or you know, maybe, uh, you know, you might read something in Bama Magazine that a coach had said, typically, you know, you had already heard it from the coach himself um, before something ever went to print. You know, there was never anything really negative in the Tuscaloosa News or, you know, the Birmingham News or Post-Herald back then. So that wasn't really something that we had to, you know, concern ourselves with. But, you know, in today's world um, and then, you know, with these kids, um, you know, getting a social media presence younger and younger, um, you know, in their teenage years, um, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword. I mean, you know, yeah, you can get out there and set yourself up for, you know, making some money, you know, with NIL and, 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 you know, other stuff as far as building your brand, but, you know, that comes with a price and it's, you know, it's, it's constant, you know, microwave, you know, accolades and criticism, you know, it goes both ways. And, um, you know, I saw a bunch of stuff after the national championship game where some, you know, disgruntled Alabama fans, you know, went after Bryce Young, um, you know, over the interceptions and, and, you know, like, you know, guys, I, I really wouldn't have a problem um, if you were going after the offensive line. But, you know, the poor bastard was running for his life basically all season. And, uh, you know, to go after such a, you know, high character, you know, really classy young man and, and the way he represented himself all season, you know, and the program. And, and uh, you know, you look at all the, you know, individual awards that he won. And, and I certainly think he always did you know, put that stuff on the back burner and, and, you know, his number one priority was winning games for his team. So, you know, it's, it's something that I'm sure Nick Saban and, you know, most of the big programs that can afford it financially, um, you know, spend quite a bit of money on, you know, they've got people that monitor social media 24 um, seven. I know these kids have, you know, a lot more availability, um, you know, to, to mental health, um, care and, and, you know, just general, um, you know, therapy it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a you know, a, a you know, a, a problem like depression, you know, if you break up with your girlfriend, if you're having problems with your parents or you're having a problem with your schoolwork or whatever, there's, there's people there that can, you can go talk to. And I know that gets utilized. And, and, you know, I think Nick Saban, you know, does a, you know, a really good job of bringing, you know, speakers in to talk to the kids every year. Um, you know, the, you know, one of the, one of the biggest falls from Grace's, you know, via substance abuse a few years ago, um, you know, came and spoke to the team and won Chris Heron. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure those kids, you know, got a lot out of his story and, you know, certainly he's changed his life around and, you know, spends every day trying to help people not, you know, make the same mistakes and go into the same pitfalls that he did. So, I mean, it's certainly something that, uh, you know, you, you have to deal with, but I don't think people realize, you know, just how much pressure these kids are under and how it can, you know, creep up on them and affect them. I mean, you know, you saw, um, you know, Dane Shore um, not making yes. a semester, um, you know, because of some of these same issues. And I think he ended up at UConn, um, 
So, you know, that's worlds apart. You know, that's, that's kind of like, uh, um, you know, leaving Harvard on an academic scholarship and enrolling in Shelton State. That's a big drop in, uh, you know, college football from, from where he was to, you know, if he wanted to eliminate athletic pressure, he certainly did it. Yeah, and that's a good point, uh, no doubt about it. And then to continue with the offensive line discussion, uh, I said going into the season that I felt like battle, one battle that I thought would need to be decided was center Darian Dalcourt, uh, who was the incumbent starter before getting injured. And then Seth McLaughlin played very well. I have not been surprised that McLaughlin uh, is still his second team and that, that right now Dalcourt is first. I felt like he did have some snap issues, but that Dalcourt wasn't as poor as everybody was uh, making him out to be. I felt like if he were healthy, he would get his job back. Um. I mean, you know, I think it's kind of if you could combine the two players, you'd have the perfect center. Um, you know, Dalcourt, Dalcourt's probably a little bit better um, at the point of attack, you know, because he's a, a you know heavier body, bigger bigger body guy. Uh, I think he does a little bit better if he's got a defensive lineman covering him um, or working combo blocks with the left guard or the right guard. But he struggles to get to the second level up on the linebacker, and I think that's where. McLaughlin is the better guy, um, you know, if that's what you're looking for. But you know, it'll be interesting to follow, and it's it's a good problem to have. You know, now you've got, you know, two guys that are battle-tested. And, um, you know, I thought, I thought McLaughlin did a great job in the SEC championship game against one Jordan Davis, you know, the, the yeah. best defensive lineman that God's ever created. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a good problem to have. I think the competition – you know, certainly I think uh, Coach Wolford is, you know, starting to put his stamp on this offensive line and, you know, wants things to, uh, you know, get cleaned up communication-wise and wants things to, you know, get back more to, to more of a physical approach. If, if y'all will remember, uh, probably after the A&M game last year when the, the Boo Birds came out, you know, for, for you know, Bill O'Brien and, you know, were bitching uh, that he wasn't running the football enough and – you know, you look out there and, and uh, um, you know, when the offensive line can't pick up a fourth and a half a foot versus Ole Miss, you know, they, they just didn't do a lot of things well last year. They struggled in pass protection. They weren't great run blockers. Um, they, they created a lot of penalties. And uh, so, you know, hopefully a lot of that stuff, um, and, and, and in a lot of cases, that those things that uh, minus maybe the run blocking, um, you know, doesn't necessarily require a lot of talent. That's that's communication. That's knowing your assignment, um, and, and everybody being on the same page. But you know, we'll see. I, you know, I think Wolford can certainly clean those two things up. We'll see if Alabama um, can get a more physical offensive line this year than they did last year. Yeah, that's the real key, and I think that's the the thing that I think Eric Wolford has concentrated on is uh, for the group to be better, you know, as, you know, that, that starting five, uh, create better angles in the running game, be more physical at the point of attack. You know, as, you know, I, I know that's a, that's been an emphasis that they want to, you know, be able to run the football and more effectively than they did a year ago. No, no question about it. Uh, but I just wonder, you know, also, uh, you know, with, with uh, I know that J.C. Latham has made a lot of progress. Uh, Tyler Steen, uh, you know, yesterday with the twos, you know, basically Amari Kite uh, is once again still the backup left tackle. 
Uh, Tyler Booker was inside at guard, much like Latham a year ago. Booker, I think, his future is at tackle, but they're going to they're gonna put him inside at guard to start out. Uh, no question about that. Damian George at right tackle. He's got some, you know, some, I think, issues with his feet. But it seems to me that the if you want to say the sixth and seventh offensive linemen are definitely Kendall Randolph slash JV and Cohen and then Seth McLaughlin. So there's some competition at left guard, competition at center. But I do, I did, I was encouraged by what Nick Saban said. I think he was thought the ones made progress. And uh, and also, you know, we get we get a chance to see the new weapons offensively because people forget, you know, right now it looks like the Washington Commanders. Uh, running back is going to be Brian Robinson. He had 1,300 last year. He's gone. Uh, my, John, you know, we were praying for John Mechie. He's got the cancer issue, but I think they caught it early, and I think leukemia is going to be very treatable, but he's with the Houston Texans as a third-round pick. And then we know J-Mo what, was a guy that, uh, you know, uh, we set college football in its ear a little bit with his production. So they've got a new cast. And, you know, I'm really excited to see Jameer Gibbs. He had two touchdowns yesterday, from what I understand, a, a, a one rushing and then one on a, a spectacular catch on a wheel route. And that's what I'm anxious to see because now that they have some injuries at the slot position, we have JoJo Earl out with Jones fracture. He's going to be out, you know, six to eight weeks. And then you have, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Anderson out. I, I still think I, – I saw some of the spring, and I know I told you guys on BAMS, Gibbs is a dynamic receiver. I'm going to be interested to see them kind of use him some in the slot. I'm also excited about Christian Leary. But William, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on some of the new skill guys. Tyler Harrell looks like he's a little bit behind because he played in an offense. Ohio State had a sophisticated passing game. Louisville did not. So he's basically, he didn't get here till June. He's still learning the playbook. Just your thoughts on some of the skill guys. Uh, and uh, the new guys we're going to see offensively. Well, one last offensive line thought, and then I'll get sure, on to the skill ahead, guys. And, and I know, um, you know, because of circumstances, age, whatever, a lot of, you know, Alabama fans may not have access to the internet or they don't enjoy it and don't get on it. And, and it may be, um, you know, the first couple of games before they get to see this for themselves. But if you want to see two guys that – well, actually three guys – that have absolutely transformed their bodies um, in the last calendar year. Um, when the when the bright lights come on here in a couple weeks, uh, look at how much mass, uh, muscle mass, Tyler Steen has added um, since he left Vanderbilt. Um, I'm sure he did most of his damage before he got to Tuscaloosa um, at the end of May. But J.C. Latham and Tyler Booker are two guys that have that have done their work. Um, you know, under the tutelage of David Ballou. And um, I, I've been very impressed just, you know, as far as the eye test goes with those three guys. And, and uh, you know, Latham and Steen have added muscle mass and gotten bigger. You know, Tyler Booker, you know, peeled off some baby fat and, and basically has a flat stomach now. So th- those are some positives, you know, as we wrap up talking about the offensive line. You know, as far as the skill players go, I mean, it was really kind of, worrisome for me drew i mean before the full pads ever even went on um i was reading the you know the practice report one day and i i kind of got depressed and stopped reading it because it was you know double digits almost with skill players on both sides of the football not all of them you know serious like jojo earl or or cameron latu but 
a lot of those guys were dinged up. You know, now Aaron Anderson is. But, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's obvious that Holden is, is kind of making a move there at wide receiver, which, you know, is kind of to be expected. The guy's got great speed. This is his third year in the program. Um, you know, I think uh, the, the, the true freshman from, from Calera Apprentice um, had a good uh, scrimmage yesterday and kind of showed he's got the potential um, to help this offense as a true freshman. And, uh, you know, going back to Tyler Harrell for a minute, he did absolutely great this summer in, in seven on seven. Um, but, you know, that's like me complimenting, you know, Tyler Steen on doing great in, in O-line, D-line drills over the summer. Things are a little bit different when you go in a, you know, a group setting and, um, you know, you've got to worry about your assignment and your route, especially if there's an audible called. So, I mean, I think they've got plenty of people down there as far as body-wise, um, you know, that can factor in. And, and you know, it's good to hear that, um, you know, the JUCO tight end is, is, you know, doing a decent job filling in for Law 2. Um, and, and hopefully he can build on that for the next scrimmage and continue to show out. That would definitely help. But I, I'm with you, Drew. I, I think that Jameer Gibbs is a guy, you know, he's, he's not as big or I say as big as tall, um, but his skill set reminds me an awful lot of one Kenyon Drake. Yes, um, yes. And, and like Kenyon Drake, I think he's going to factor into um, the return game, um, you know, on, on kickoffs and maybe punt returns. We'll see how that goes, especially if JoJo Earl's out. Um, so I, I think he's a guy that's kind of the, um, you know, the X factor in the 2022 offense. I mean, that's a nightmare for defensive coordinators. Um, we'll see how creative, um, you know, and this all comes down to, uh, you know, how, how much improvement the offensive line can make in pass protection because this is a play that takes some time um, to develop. But, you know, he's a guy that if I was Bill O'Brien, um, I'd probably throw a wheel route at a defense, you know, once a half with him. Because um, I can assure you, even if the linebacker recognizes it and, you know, gets out there and, and into coverage, he's going to run right by him. So I'm excited about what he's going to bring to this offense, both in the ground game and in the air. And I think he's going to factor uh, pretty heavily into the passing game. I would be stupid if he doesn't. Well, the funny thing about it, you say that, William, and I got to say, too, you can't take it for granted either because from the standpoint of uh, I think they've got some excellent depth right now. I, I, I want to see Jason McClellan back. I think he was really starting to assert himself when he got hurt last year as a runner and receiver. And I know Saban loves him. And I thought Trey Sanders had his best spring. Then I was hearing good things about Roy Dell Williams yesterday. So they de- and even Jerry on, you know, you know, the, the Miller kid from Texas. I mean, I think he had fly, he flashed, but as we know, it doesn't take long for running back depth to erode, but at least right now it sounds like they've got a lot of depth heading into, you know, game one against Utah State and scrimmage two next week. Yeah, no, I agree, and, and it'll be great to get, uh, you know, both both McClellan and Roydale back. I think both of them were, you know, in the process last year of really kind of establishing themselves as, you know, even though they were the backups, you know, they were established themselves as, you know, two of the better running backs in this league, especially that we're, you know, coming back for 2022. So, you know, you hope those knees are, are totally healthy and, and can hold up for the, you know, the grind that's coming to this season. Because, you know, if they can get everybody healthy, um, you know, by the end of September, I mean, I think they've just got, especially if the offensive line, um, which it does seem to be, 
you know, trending in the right direction right now with improvements, you know, at least the first team offensive line. Um, you know, they've got a lot of weapons. Um, you know, and I think even if you want to flip it over to the quarterback room, um, you know, you might have the best, you know, overall quarterback room in college football. Jalen Milrow has come miles and miles from, from uh, a year ago in his development as a passer and his understanding of the offense. Um, I thought Ty Simpson had one of the best spring practices of an early enrollee quarterback that I've seen, in, you know, is, you know, of the Nick Saban era. Um, so that that offense, you know, and I think we've talked about this for, you know, 18 months now. Um, you know, if they can just get to where they're consistent, you know, they, they, let's forget about trying to even come up with a comparison to, uh, you know, 2012 or 2020 because there's just not the same talent level as those two offensive lines, um, at least on paper. Um, but, you know, if they can just get to where they're a solid B to a B-plus on a, on a Saturday-to-Saturday basis, this offense has a chance to just absolutely wreck college football. Well, it's funny. We transition now. And, again, as we said, the running back room so deep. We, we talk about Gibbs. He's my pick for SEC Newcomer of the Year. We know – as I said, I'm excited about McClellan, uh, Roy Dell, uh, you know, Trey Sanders, and even Jamarian Miller. But defensively, uh, this team, we, we saw, much like we saw with Dylan Moses a, a few years ago, Will Anderson did not scrimmage. And we, he, and when uh, he scrimmaged in the spring, which wasn't, uh, you know, every snap, he wrecked things. So they gave him the first scrimmage off, and Chris Braswell was in his place. And from what I understand, while the, the first team defense did get a little gas toward the end of the scrimmage and Coach Saban wasn't happy with that, they still, for the most part, dominated. And there was very few touchdowns scored in this scrimmage. Uh, we, we've been talking about Braswell breaking out. He was in Will's spot. We know Dallas Turner uh, was in uh, the spot, you know, and, and, of course, playing Sam, and he's a dynamic player. Uh, but the, the, big, the biggest thing, is of course uh, the, the 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 competition at will linebacker. It still looks like it's going to be Jalen Moody and Coach Saban. Much like they asked uh, Kendall Randolph to come back for a sixth year, they they asked uh, you know this young man to come back out of the transfer portal. Uh, I know Moody, Deontay Lawson's pushing, and I hear that you know Deontay got some first team reps yesterday. But for the most part, I think it's Jalen Moody's job to to win and, and it, it's a pretty amazing story because he was signed as a three-star kind of under the radar he was pete golding's first recruit pete's already in year five which is hard to believe and i think pete has gotten better every year as a dc and as a recruiter uh but moody's finally slated to maybe play a bigger role next to henry toa toa who i thought from the second half of last year on was lights out and so i think this linebacker core has got a chance to be special but the thing that's excited me is I've been asked this a lot, and this defense returns a lot of experience on all three levels. Now, cornerback is probably the, where the biggest competition's going on, but I was asked, you know, because with Justin be coming back, Byron Young, he missed the spring with an injury. He's back. Uh, but, you know, you've got, uh, you know, also Tim Smith. Uh, you've, got, you've got some experienced defensive linemen coming back on this team, William. But and, and, a, and a player that's kind of waited his turn in Jamil Burroughs. But I was asked, you know, is there, is there any freshman that could make an impact? And you kind of already alluded to it with the reshaping of the body. But Jaheim Otis, 
a guy that from the state of Mississippi, he was a small school, Mr. Football. He's lost 75 pounds. He's, I think he was like DJ Fluker. He reported it like over 400, 416, something like that, down to 340. He's been immovable from what I understand. He's so good, he's kind of forcing his way into the lineup with a veteran group. DJ Dale's still back on that group as well. But he and then Curtis Perry had a sack with the backups. I think Curtis Perry and Jamari or and Jaheim Otis, pardon me, are have got a chance to, you know, make an impact on this D line as true freshmen. You know, I Perry and maybe a, a, a rabbit package look. And then Jaheim Otis, if DJ Dale's had patella tendon issues, we know that on both knees. At times he struggled, but Jaheim Otis is going to push him. I think Otis may be a big factor even in the first game. Your thoughts kind of uh, on Jaheim Otis and, and Curtis Perry and maybe a couple of young defensive linemen making an impact with the veteran group. Well, before we start talking about my boy, big baby Jaheim, we uh, need to start as Alabama fans, we need to start a mass email campaign. Um, it's public record. You can go to the, the Alabama football staff directory and pull Coach Saban's email address off of there. Um, give Will Anderson and Dallas Turner the whole month of August off. No scrimmage work. They both play one quarter versus whoever. Who do we open with? Utah State? Yes. Yeah. One quarter versus Utah State. You know, I, don't, I let Jeremiah Alexander and, and Braswell get all the damn practice reps. We know what uh, uh, Will and, and Dallas can do. Um, and, and just, you know, protect those two guys because they're, they're huge um, in, in what this defense can do um, this season. But, no, nah, man, I, I tried telling people. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the stuff that's getting out from the scrimmage yesterday doesn't really paint the picture of I thought Pete Golding said it in his press conference a week ago better than anybody. Yeah, uh, Jaheim Otis is hard to move. He's hard to move with the double team. But just like what Pete Golding said in his press conference, Big Jaheim's got more wiggle than people realize. Um, he, he flashed and caused a lot of problems in the spring, and I think he was probably 360 in the spring. So he's 20 pounds lighter. Um, that wiggle is going to get a little bit more, um, you know, tasty for, for, for him as things go on. But I think he's a guy, Drew, that, that's a hell of a lot more. Um, because, you know, they really don't even recruit. And I know people say he's a nose guard. But, you know, they really don't even recruit the Terrence Cody's, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the, the Josh Chapman type nose guards anymore. And I, I certainly think. Uh, maybe prior to his knee injuries, he wasn't. But I think Dale is kind of in that category now. But this kid isn't. Um, you know, he's a guy that can line up in a one technique or a three technique at defensive tackle um, and cause problems. Because, you know, they, they don't really play in those guard that much anymore unless it's, you know, short yardage or goal line. And, um, you know, I think he's a guy that, that has a chance to make a big splash um, as a true freshman and really help add some – you know, disruptive playmaking ability to that defensive front, which, you know, when you, when you look at um, Fideri and Mathis' departure, you know, I think Byron Young at times last year, um, you know, did that to a lesser extent than Mathis. So, you know, people didn't realize this, but Fideri and Mathis was the third leading sack guy, maybe even the second leading sack guy um, on that team last year from his defensive tackle spot. Freddie Roach have to figure out a way um, to to uh, 
make up for. But it's also the reason why, you know, Will Anderson and Dallas Turner were able to get all those sacks last year is, you know, they were collapsing the pocket from the outside in. And, you know, Fidarian Mathis, you know, made it to where those quarterbacks couldn't step up in the pocket because um, he was collapsing it from the inside. And that made Will and Dallas's job not to take anything away from their ability, but they had some help last year. Um, from Fidari and Mathis. But I think that's something that'll really, you know, take this Alabama defense to the next level if they can. And you, and you mentioned a lot of the suspects' names. Uh, but if they can get some, of, you know, four or five of these guys, you know, where they can get back to the, you know, 2014, 2015, you know, the way that defensive line was platooned, um, you know, and guys like DJ Petway coming off the bench and, and, you know, the production not really going down. Um, that, that'll make this defense that much better. Um, you know, they're they're basically, uh, you know, still struggling to find, you know, who the two starting corners are going to be. I personally think it's going to be a, a healthy Kyrie Jackson whenever he gets back and uh, Kool-Aid. But, you know, you see uh, uh, Terrion Arnold got a lot of work yesterday at corner. Um, you know, I don't know how Ricks did. I know they still say he's lost in the playbook and, you know, it may be, you know, a little while, you know, down into the season before he's fully comfortable, you know, going from, you know, being told at LSU to, you know, go, go find receiver, cover receiver versus the complexities of playing, you know, corner in a Nick Saban defense. Yeah. And you bring that up, William, too. Um, uh, you know, is that a concern with Ricks? Because I know, uh, but I, I still think it's more of a bonus because Kyrie Jackson's improved immensely by the end of last year. And I know Nick Saban was pleased with him. He was out yesterday with a little bit of a groin, but it allowed Terrion Arnold a lot of reps. And Terrion's another guy that's come on. To me, iron sharpens iron. So I know corner is a little bit of a concern, but it looks like they're also developing some depth too. No, absolutely. And, and, and like I said, I'm not concerned about it. I, I thought for – you know, first-year starters last year, I thought, you know, when they got in and they played, I thought, you know, Kyrie and Kool-Aid did pretty well for, for first-time starters. But like you said, I mean, they need to find some guys, um, you know, and Katie does get hurt and has to miss time that can go in there. And, you know, it's just not a huge downturn in, in you know, the coverage packages and stuff. I mean, I think the, you know, the safeties are going to be a lot better than they were last year. I think Jordan Battle, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, one Will Anderson, you'd have a lot of people's claiming that Jordan Battle was the best player on that defense. I think he's that good. Um, I think he's got a chance to play himself into a first-round draft pick, um, you know, by the end of the season. So, you know, there's a lot of good stuff, um, you know, going on that defense. You know, I think with, uh, you know, the, the off-the-field, you know, incident that involves Pete Golding after National Signing Day, I think he's – um, you know, probably been humbled a little bit. Um, certainly it hasn't taken away from his recruiting prowess. He's been killing it, um, you know, for a couple years on the recruiting trail. Uh, but probably coming into this season with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, I, I like the way that he handled, um, you know, his, his incident. And, uh, you know, he did what he was supposed to do on, on his end. And, and, you know, I think this, like I said, I think this defense, if they can stay healthy, and continue to develop depth and fall camp, you know, it's got a chance to be a really, really good defense this year. It does. And then with special teams, I think it's the best kicker of the Saban era, Will Reichert. Uh, Nick Saban has had a player drafted at every position at the University of Alabama 
except for place kicker. And I think Will Reichert will change that uh, with another really good year. He's even had a punter. We forget J.K. Scott, a uh, fullback, Jalston Newton Fowler. He's every position, and nearly every position is a first-rounder, but at least every position drafted. So it's going to be interesting to see if Will Reichert can continue. I think he's, from what I'm hearing, he's had a really good fall. He had a good spring. Uh, and then I, the, the one the one area that I'm hoping is he, he continues to be as improved as I saw in the spring is James Burnup. I thought he looked a lot better at punter. Uh, and I know Will was interviewed a few days ago and said Burnup had continued to make progress. So that will be good for University of Alabama. They even have a quality, I think, backup kicker and punter in Jack Martin from Troy uh, still on the team. So I think the specialists are in good shape. Neelan Hibbett at long snapper. The interesting part is going to be punt return. It sounded like JoJo Earl was first team, and uh, he, he struggled a little bit with ball security in the spring. But I think he had, uh, he had made progress both as a receiver where he had drops in the spring and as a punt returner so far. And he was having a strong fall camp before he unfortunately got injured. Sounds like he will have a chance to be the punt returner when he gets back. But until then, I would think it'd be Kool-Aid. I heard it was Kool-Aid first yesterday and then some uh, Jermaine Burton. But again, we'll see who ends up being the punt returner. And then kickoff return, I heard the top two were, uh, were uh, Jameer Gibbs, who I think could be an explosive kickoff returner. He showed a little bit of that in the spring. And then uh, the, the, uh, the, the gunner slash guy that's, you know, the, the, the usually uh, leads the way blocking is Kendrick Law. And Kendrick Law and Chaz Preston William, from what I understand, also flashed along with Prentice in that wide receiver room. So there's some really nice young players. We may see some of them making uh, an impact in special teams, but also offensively, uh, because I think with Prentice, who really hadn't got a lot of pub because of some of these other guys being more high profile, and the, of course the two guys out of the portal and Burton and Harrell, but Prentice with five catches and a touchdown. Uh, hearing about Kendrick Law and Chaz Preston, I think this young receiver group's got a chance to make an impact. You just made me add another line on my email to Coach Saban. I do not want to see Will Anderson or Dallas Turner on any special teams. Thanks in advance. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, I, I know last year, uh, you know, Chris Braswell had a big punt block. And I know Will has been on, like, extra point, uh, you know, duty and even some special teams. But I tend to agree with you there. You've got Quandarius Robinson. You've got Keanu Coote. They both made physical strides. I'd rather see them on special teams uh, and save Will Anderson, save Dallas Turner. I don't think there's any question that I agree with you there. But I do think if these corners keep maturing, I, I agree with you with the, with the safety spot. I thought by the second half of last year, and I, I honestly thought he, he, uh, he might go pro, but Jordan Battle became a really good player. I thought when DeMarco Helms got healthy, he played a lot better. But the one that intrigues me more than any of them, and he may be the best player, is Brian Branch. He basically took the, the star job uh, from Malachi Moore, who struggled with some health, but also his level of play wasn't as good. Malachi right now, the dime back, and I think he's finally added some physical weight to his frame too. But Brian Branch really excites me because he could be maybe a breakout guy, someone that's not on draft boards, at least high up, that could, by the end of the season, be one. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I saw a picture, I don't know, back in June or July, and Malachi Moore has turned himself, at least physically, on the hoof 
looking a lot more like a linebacker than he does a dime back. Yeah, I mean, he, he really did. I think they both added physicality. The thing that I love about Branch is he's so versatile that he's probably, he may be the most physical guy back there. And he, he can even, he's even like, say, Coach Saban even referenced he, he can play corner as well if needed. And they've also moved Antonio Kite out there to try to create some depth. So really excited about those guys. And then, you know, and I think they've got, and I'm excited about some of the young inside backers as well. But we'll, we, but we, you know, but right now we're going to concentrate on the, the coming season and the, and the starting lineup. And William, uh, I know uh, this, to be honest though, uh, when you, when we, when we saw this spring, I mean, I saw a scrimmage where I, I and I said it on bands where Chris Braswell had five sacks. We know what Will Anderson can do. We know what Dallas Turner can do. Uh, but is, is when you start hearing the things about Quandarius Robinson and Keanu Coop to me, and then, a guy like Curtis Perry, and you talked about Jaheim, your boy Jaheim, you know, potentially giving us inside pass rush along with a guy like Jamil Burroughs, who I really thought was impressive last spring. This this team, from a pass rush and disruption standpoint, has a chance to be the best defense maybe since 2016. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I should have brought this up when we were talking about the defensive line. And, and, you know, one guy that I've kind of got circled in my mind that, you know, and I don't want to sound make this sound like a criticism. Obviously, he's doing his job or he wouldn't have been in the starting lineup as long as he has. But, you know, one guy that I would really be interested and hopeful that, that he can make, you know, take that next jump and, and become more, you know, disruptive versus just a lunch pail guy, which is what I think he's been, is Justin Abogby. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, he's a guy that, that really needs to, um, you know, take that next step and, and, and become more disruptive, um, you know, versus what we've seen out of him. But but yeah, I mean, when you when you start talking about this pass rush, um, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy, um, you know, when you think about, you know, having a guy like Will Anderson, who's you know going to be a top three draft pick. Um, you know, has a chance to win quite a few individual awards. Um, you know, when he goes pro next year, and then all of a sudden you've got, uh, you know, Chris Brad. You know, a lot of people think Chris Braswell's going to go pro. I just don't see any way that's that's possible without without him having a year of, you know, being a starter and having a you know complete film for these guys to look at. Now, stranger things have happened, but when you when you start looking ahead and and you know that that's your you know your rabbit package in 2023 is you know, with, with the third-year Dallas Turner and, you know, your first time to start is Chris, Chris Braswell. And, you know, I know they're going to do some stuff to get Braswell more involved, um, you know, like we saw, you know, them doing some unique things with him in the spring. Um, but, you know, they, they have got just, you know, whereas they need to find some more disruptive defensive linemen, um, you know, they are loaded to the gills um, at outside linebacker. Yeah, they are. It's probably as deep as I've ever seen it being at least three D uh, at the outside linebacker spots, and and that and that may be four when you start thinking about Jeremiah Alexander. Uh, and you already mentioned him maybe getting some time as a young freshman, but he's immensely talented, uh, you know. And and you know, and, and like we've said, they've got Giad Campbell inside, uh, Sean Murphy. They've got some young inside backers as well. Ian Jackson that I know have improved. It's as much it's as much young linebacker talent I think as we have ever seen 
uh, at Alabama. So, and I credit Pete Golden with that. I, I credit Coleman Hutchler slash, and we know that Sal Sanceri is still there in the background. And then I, I will say this though, to talk a little recruiting, we've seen Alabama add some pieces in the last few days, two more offensive linemen. Uh, yesterday, Raymond Polito committed Miles McVay a few days before that. They've got a five-man class, but we saw them miss on Kelby Collins at Gardendale. Now he hasn't signed. We know that. Uh, but again, he's they, they've missed on him and Peter Woods. They have picked up Hunter Osborne, who I was impressed with physically two years ago coming out of this program. You know, and now they may add Edric Hill uh, anytime from North Kansas City. But it's a little concerning with the D-line. Now, everybody talking about NIL, and it is a factor, William. We both know that. But they only seem to be struggling at one spot in this class, and that's at uh, defensive line. Should there be concern in your mind with Freddie Roach and this D-line recruiting? I mean, or it, it, I, I don't – because here's my question. If it's such if, – if, if it's NIL totally, then – why is Alabama not struggling in any other position? They found a way to work around it in every position but D-line. And unfortunately, uh, and fortunately, both, I guess, it's a loaded year in the state of Alabama, but Alabama's already missed on a couple of guys. Um, you know, A, I wasn't really bothered by Kelby Collins. I mean, I think right. he's got all the, all the measurables in the body, but I, I just don't see that difference maker on film. Um, right. I was bothered by I was bothered by Peter Woods, but I, you know I'll say this: I mean, as long as they can go elsewhere, I mean, I I certainly don't come from the Randy Ross school of thought that you know you got to sign fifteen Alabama kids every year because it means more to them. Um, you know, as long as they can go elsewhere and get the same caliber of player, or, or in some cases, you know, as far as um, you know, Collins is concerned. They, they might can get an upgrade there. Um, I, I'm not really that concerned about it. Now, if, if they start missing on um, some of these out-of-state defensive linemen, which they've done over the last couple of cycles, then, yeah, um, it, it's a concern. But, I mean, I'll say this. I mean, nobody watches recruiting more than, than Nick Saban does. And I think if he, you know, views it, you know, as, as, as an issue, um, you know, come February 1st, then, then he'll probably make a change and do something about it. Um, you know, that's – nobody's paying me or you $10 million to make that call. Um, but, you know, if he sees it a problem, I don't think he's really hesitated to make a change at other positions um, as far as, you know, position coaches go, um, you know, and pulling the trigger and doing it pretty quickly if he sees an issue there. But, you know, I think if as long as they can go elsewhere – and get the same level of player, it, it doesn't really bother me that, you know, they, they've lost a couple of in-state guys. Now, if, if James Smith flies the coop, um, let, let's circle back around and have this conversation again. Yeah, James Smith from Carver Montgomery, Quay Russo, both those guys would be big gets, and Keon Keeley as well. Uh, you know, Alabama's at 20 commitments right now. They are still the consensus number one class in every poll. It would be a runaway train with Peter Woods and, 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 of course, Kelby Collins. But, again, neither one of those guys is signed. We'll see if Alabama can flip. I would rather him flip Woods. I'm, I'm kind of like you, William. If you get an Edric Kill or if you can get a Jordan Renaud, I mean, Kelby's a nice player, but you'll be fine. Uh, and so that's 
that's uh that, that that would be that would be you know almost in my opinion I, I kind of I, I tend to agree an upgrade but if you can get James Smith Clay Russell you're still you know uh, controlling your state and if they can flip Sun Ter- uh, Terrian Perkins uh, from uh, you know from Ole Miss I think he's another linebacker target that he's the best player in Mississippi they've made a lot of inroads there Pete's done a good job Pete Golding and I know Ole Miss. He's, you know, re- related to Dante Moncrief, former Ole Miss receiver. Then they quelled it a little bit. But I still think uh, if Alabama has a strong year on the field, they've got a really good shot at flipping him. So, uh, And really, they can oversign this year. I think it's going to be right now would be 28. My guess would be, and I was speculating about this the other day, I know they'd like Cormani McLean to outmaneuver Florida for him. And if they could get Cormani from Lakeland, Florida, the five-star corner, and then just let them have Kelby Collins. That's fine with me. But they probably need one more corner, one more wide receiver uh, and to me, and then, you know, and then a couple of linebackers, Perkins, Quay Russaw, and then probably four defensive linemen. Uh, they would probably take another uh, OT, like, a uh, you know, a Samson Okanola uh, from Massachusetts. But we'll see. Your boy Mario, I know you're, uh, you like Mario a lot. He may be able. He may outmaneuver Alabama for him, but that would be kind of a bonus. I think they've got a really nice five-man O-line class, and I know you really like Wilkin Formby a lot. I do too. I think he's underrated, and if you can get the weight off of Miles McVeigh, I think that uh, he could be a really good tackle as well. And then to me, Ola Salinen, I think he's Mike Johnson, which you know he, he he's probably not a long-term tackle, but you can move him inside to guard. Rockwell's Meckleberry or McKeldry, I think, uh, I actually, I think he could be a center guard. And then I, and then this Polito, I just know that he was a guy that destroyed people at camp. You don't see many 6'6 guards, 6'7", 340, but they say he moves really well. He's huge. And I, I, I just really think overall, and uh, that uh, I think this is probably maybe the best, uh, hopefully anyway, with Eric Wolford, combination of recruiter and O-line coach they've had. Now, Kyle Flood did a nice job recruiting and had some freakazoids that were not that hard to coach, in my opinion. And then years ago, our guy with the Philadelphia Eagles was a, an outstanding O-line coach, but maybe not the best recruiter. But I think, uh, you know, when you look at it, I think uh, Wolford may be the kind of the perfect fit. Yeah, you know, he, he's, he's got a good reputation. I mean, he's been a head coach before. You know, he's not a guy that you have to worry about, um, you know, flying the coop to take an offensive coordinator's position. He's never been one before, and I don't see, a, you know, somebody that's going to pay him more money than what he's making at Alabama as the O-line coach, uh, giving him his first shot at that. And I don't, I'm not even sure if he wants to be one. Um, so, you know, I think he has, you know, kind of um, – you know, I agree with you. I mean, Flood had the easiest job in college football I've ever seen. Um, you know, made some pretty questionable evaluations on the offensive line. That's one of the reasons why for the last two cycles they've had to try and play catch-up, um, you know, and, and bring Tyler Steen in as a grad transfer because there were a lot of misses, um, you know, at the offensive tackle spot the last couple of years. Um and, and I agree with you. I mean, I think McVeigh, once he peels the bad weight off, can be a right tackle. Um, I'm, I'm totally convinced that Formby can. Um, maybe even left. We'll have to wait and see, you know, what happens with his development. I'm really looking forward to, uh, 
you know, seeing some game film on him for his senior year because I think he's kind of a, a late bloomer, so to speak. Uh, but, yeah, all those other cats that you mentioned are going to have to play inside. And um, I can remember, I guess it was 2019, there was a pretty good six foot seven offensive guard that, that played for Alabama. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, they, they certainly was. And I mean, I think, you know, I, I think uh, Alabama, this, this, I think the offensive line class is coming together. I like it. Um, you know, I, they don't all have to be, you know, four and five star guys. Cause I mean, we've seen some guys that are five stars like the Brocker Myers still have a long way to go. So you never know how a guy is going to acclimate himself to SEC football. But I, when you look at the track record of Wolford, when he was with, uh, you know, Will Mustang of South Carolina, when he was at Kentucky last year, he did a really good job. You mentioned that you made a great point about him knowing he's an OL coach and, and also he's been a head coach at Youngstown State, but that's really not his motivation. I think he's comfortable where he is. Hopefully could be here for a few years. And so it definitely it, it's going to be tough to get him to go to another college job. So I think he's doing a great job, great fit, and another good hire for Nick Saban, no doubt about it. And I just like the direction of the recruiting class. If they can figure D-line out, if they can get a guy like Jordan Renaud, uh, they're in a big battle with Oklahoma with, from, with him from Tyler Legacy. He came from Jamarian Miller's high school. If they can snag him, get uh, you know El- Eldrick Hill, who's a really solid player, probably – a different style than Kelby Collins, but still a really good uh, along the same lines of, of class of defensive linemen. Then I think they'll be in solid shape. But then it comes down to the the James Smiths and the Quay Rusaw in December to close out this class and and slam dunk at number one. And I and I, and I still like Nick Saban's ability to figure things out. He's figured out the transfer portal uh, and he's figured out uh, he's figuring out NIL. They've got high tide traditions going now, but I still think the staff is probably, uh, you know, as solid as he's had in a while. I think the other hires, Coleman Hutzler, has been a really good one. And Joe Cox at tight end. I think he's done a great job. The one I'm concerned about is Freddie Roach. But as you pointed out, he's never been afraid to make a move before. So if there's a move that needs to be made in the by the end of this season, I think he would make it. But, William, as we're closing it down here, last few minutes of BAMS radio, uh, what, what are your thoughts going into scrimmage two? What are you looking for? Well, I mean, the first thing I'm looking for is hopefully they'll come out of it without any more injuries. Um, you know, I think, you know, especially, um, you know, when you get down to the, 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 the last scrimmage, which is only, um, you know, two Saturdays before the first game traditionally, um, you just don't want to see, um, you know, any of the front line guys get hurt. Um, you know, I, I, I would expect it to be, uh, you know, probably work on the passing game a little bit more than they did yesterday. And, uh, you know, I, I want to see, uh, um, you know, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson, um, you know, continue to make progress and develop and, um, you, you know, the, the first team offensive line, you know, get a, get a attaboy from Coach Saban, uh, two scrimmages in a row like they did yesterday. Um, you know, and, and can continue to, uh, you know, try and develop some depth back there at the cornerback spots. Yeah, no doubt. And I wanted to bring Thomas Watts in, too. Thomas, I know you wanted to make some comments as we're winding it down. Well, sure. In terms of your what's the expectation for the last scrimmage, I wanted to make a point, you know, coming out of the first scrimmage going into the second, 
and it harkens back to the Jake Coker years. Jake Coker did not lose his starting job until the very last scrimmage. Now, this is an extreme case, but essentially he had it, he had it, he had it, he had it, and then he had God's gift to terrible scrimmages, which is fine, but, you know, we're going over who di- who played well, who's looked good. Just because someone has looked good to this point in fall camp does not mean that they are going to be the guy starting in XY position. I think it's yeah, I think you have some some questions around you know the cornerback position. You know, we talked about Eli Ricks, we talked about the Harold Kid at wide receiver, the transfer guys. Nick Saban doesn't bring a transfer in if he doesn't think they can make an instant impact. Well, everything could change this upcoming Saturday. That doesn't mean that it will. It's just that it can. And when you have those kinds of situations ongoing, keep that in mind. So when we're getting back together and talking about what we saw, at, you know, I, I don't get I don't get to go to the scrimmage. I've got some some real life, some some, some not fan life things I need to handle. But as we talk about the things we've heard, it might be radically different. That doesn't mean it's bad. Doesn't mean it's good. Just means it's different because somebody had a terrible scrimmage or somebody had a great scrimmage. Keep that in mind as you're kind of trolling forums or talking to your buddies, thinking about what people heard. I think that's really important so that you don't have this weird whiplash effect as you know you wake up Sunday or you wake up Monday and you start reading things and that suddenly happens, Drew. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we're winding it down, but. We want to thank everyone we've been asked. I know you, you have Thomas, William, myself. Everybody's been waiting for the return of BAMS Radio. We really appreciate the support. We appreciate Thomas putting together the Patreon, uh, you know, account uh, for, uh, you know, for those that want to uh, reach out, ask questions, have us, uh, you know, answer your questions. We'll be glad to do that. Uh, we will have eyes at the scrimmage uh, this coming uh, Saturday. I will be there uh, looking forward to that. So we'll have some uh, big firsthand intel on next week's BAMS radio. Uh, we had some really good intel this week from the scrimmage. I think uh, there's a lot of progress made, some injuries in practice, but that happens every year. I do think this Alabama team has some depth, though. They're developing it at wide receiver. Impressed with what I've heard, again, with Prentice, uh, Shaz Preston, Kendrick Law, those guys that are on the field right now. Uh, I know Ja'Cory Brooks had three drops, but he's a worker. Uh, Julio dropped balls, Amari Cooper, this guy will bounce back. He made plays when he Guys, when Mechie and Jamo were hurt last year, I think he'll bounce back from this poor scrimmage. He's been a, he had a really good camp up until then. Uh, but again, we'll have a lot to talk about next week. What we see offensively, defensively, and in special teams, and we'll continue to follow recruiting. Could there be more good news in the near future for Alabama as they sit at 20 commitments and number one class in the country? But for Thomas the Wizard Watts, I'm Drew DeArmond, William Redfish Barger. This has been our first, uh, you know. A new season episode of BAMS Radio. We thank everybody for listening, and we're looking forward to another great ride. Good night, everybody, on this Sunday. We'll see you next week, and roll tide.